Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Well, now I don't know how to start it. Flying casual. Well, I am flying casual, sort of. So, Aaron, um, you have this place that you didn't tell me about. That's like 30 minutes from your house. Just saying. If you would like to tell everybody what that is, I think that'd be great. What, Sesame Place? It's like the best, like, coolest thing in the world. Can I just admit something, though? What? I've never actually been there. How have you not been there? You have two children. Well, my kids are still pretty young, so, but I think this summer will be the, the first time because I'm going to trick my son into thinking he's actually going to Disney World because <laughs> it's a lot cheaper to go to Sesame Place <laughs> than it is to fly down to Florida. That's but cold, man. He's only two. He, he won't know. He just sees costume characters. He, he pretty much associates, like, Elmo and Big Bird with Disney anyways at this point in his life, so... You don't think he knows the difference between Elmo and Mickey Mouse? He Well, I'm not going to tell him Elmo is Mickey Mouse. He knows well, I mean, that... Do you think he knows that one lives, you know, on Sesame Street, and the other one lives in the House of Mouse? <laughs> He'll learn eventually, but he's still young. So as long as I can get away with this, I will do it until I have to take him to Disney World. For now, Disney World is just a thing that adults go to for me. Because I've seen families at Disney. Bria, back me up here. They don't look no. like they're having that much fun. Not really. Just wait Wait till he's like 8 or 9 or 10 or so. Because then you'll be good. Because he's old enough to go on all the rides and not be a pain. Exactly. So, yes. But Sesame Place will happen. And it is close to my house, Teresa. So if you and Steve or whoever you want to bring with you want to come up here and hang out at Sesame Place, you can tag along with us. Oh, Steve and I are totally doing it. And one of the things, I don't know if you know, but the hotels around Sesame Place, if you go and you have a kid, some of them give you a rubber ducky. So I'm going to pretend to be Steve's kid. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just borrow one of mine. <laughs> okay. Well, contrary to what this may sound like, this is not a theme park podcast. Um, this is Star Wars Bookworms. We're on episode 36. I'm Teresa Delgado. With me is my co-host, Aaron Goins. And you have also heard the voice of our guest, Bria from Tashi Station. Hey, Bria. Hey, everyone. It's been forever. We've been trying to have you on. Schedules don't match up. People schedule things for two months and then don't do it. <laughs> Calling myself out. <laughs> it's okay. It gave me enough time to make sure I had reread the issues we're good so Aaron tell our listeners about um, our book club and how we lied to them oh yeah so in our last episode kind of our Christmas episode that we did like a month ago um, we said we were going to take some time off we weren't going to do a book club for January but then we got a couple requests from people and they're like oh we're really sad you're not doing a book club so I was like ah let's just do one anyways so for January and February we did select a book based on feedback from people in the book club, people on Facebook, people on Twitter. It seemed like a lot of people were interested in reading Splinter of the Mind's Eye for whatever reason. So that is what we're reading for the book club for January and February. 
So if you haven't started reading it yet, I actually read a little bit of it, uh, just the first few pages, and it is different. It is weird. <laughs> I don't own that book, so you guys have a blast. <laughs> but it's it'll be a interesting study in what I guess Star Wars could have been. Yeah, but, I'm not sure that that's what we want it to be. But this from what, is what I've heard about the book, this is what the people asked for. So this is what we're reading, and it's a pretty short book, so we should be able to get through it pretty quick. But if anyone's interested in reading along with us, head on over to Goodreads, uh, join our group over there, Star Wars Bookworms, and uh, we already have some people over there talking about it. Um, Bria, have you ever read Splinter of the Mind's Eye? Oh yes. Unfortunately, and if anyone checks out the Walru Express post for it, there are pictures of me with a glass of wine hiding under the table from the incest. Ooh, I don't like that word. They don't. I mean, there's not, not actual. Like, they don't <laughs> go full Lannister. <laughs> they don't go full Lannister, but it's so awkward. Full Lannister. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting, but I figured. It's one of those books you just kind of have to read, you know? It's... Aaron, are you allowed to read books of this caliber? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we tried uh, to shield you from things that are a little bit, you know... A little too edgy. A little too edgy for <laughs> yourself. <laughs> so, well, moving on. Book club, that's what we're doing January and February. And then I think for March, we'll probably just do the uh, Heir to the Jedi once that comes out. So, uh, But... Beyond books, we have comics coming out right now, and Marvel has finally released Marvel number one. And I think we all read it, right? Yep. I have read it. So we don't have to do like a full-fledged page-by-page review or anything like that, but kind of what did you guys think about Marvel's first, well, I guess not their first try, but their first try in a long time at Star Wars? Well, for me, honestly, it feels like a traditional Marvel superhero comic. There's just something about the art and the lettering and everything that it just feels like an X-Men comic or a Spider-Man comic or whatever. Um, But I did really like the way they they drew Chewie. I thought he looked cute and fluffy and uh, I liked it. Initial impressions, that's what I So have it passed your cute and fluffy test? Yes. <laughs> is what you're you saying? know how it is. I have the cute and fluffy test. Um, and even Star Wars Rebels is having to pass the cute and fluffy test. And it's doing well. And so, yes, they passed it right now. We'll see if they continue down that path. Side question. Uh, did the puffer pig pass your cute test? It did, but we renamed it on Rebel Yell tonight, actually. Oh, it's not the puffer we, pig anymore. We we renamed it a piffle. I'm not even going to oh. ask for an explanation. Oh, it's simple. Um. <laughs> it's simple. I'll explain. I will explain the puffer pig thing. Okay, puffer pig sounds like a puffer fish. It sounds like they copped out on trying to name it. You know, something Star Warsy, so they just named it a puffer pig. You know, and it just seemed too easy. So we were like, well, what could what could we name it? And I was like, let's call it a piffle. And then that's what it is named now in the world of Disney Vault Talk Rebel Yell. <laughs> so, Bria, did you read Marvel number one? You said you did. I did. Yeah, I actually, um, they were nice enough to send me an advanced copy. So, whoa, I was what? Able to, yeah, like an actual physical advanced copy? No, digital. Oh, okay. I oh, still yeah, went I to got, the store. I got one of those dipped. too, Aaron. Oh, you guys are so special. And why we didn't are. I get forwarded that email, Teresa? <laughs> Because, because it can't. said it was for your eyes only. Uh, Bria, so- did yours have your last name as a watermark? Oh yeah, my it? last yeah, name. Yeah, so did mine. Yeah. 
No, yeah. they were. It was the highest security I've ever seen on a single issue before. Wow. It was so, crazy. What What did you think? Um, I really enjoyed it, but then again, I figured I would since Jason Aaron was writing it, and it's kind of funny that you mentioned the X Men, Teresa, since John Cassidy is doing the art on it, and what I always remember him for is doing the art on uh, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X Men. Um, I I mean I I enjoyed it. It's not. It's nothing that people who haven't been reading the EU haven't seen before, for the most part. I mean, it's a new plot line, but it's it's set after A New Hope. It's everyone trying to figure out what to do. Um, but I thought it ended well, and I'll be interested to see where they go with the first arc and then how they handle the second arc. So I think that'll be a good test. Yeah, I agree with you on the plot line thing. I mean, it's not, it's not anything like earth-shattering or anything like that. What I'm waiting for from Marvel are those Kanan comics, because that's going to be their first sort of untouched era of Star Wars for them to do a comic on, and I'm really excited to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the Kanan comics more than these, but I was surprised by Star Wars number one. I, I liked it more than I thought. I typically don't like this era, and since we had just gone through this with the Brian Wood stuff, I was like, ugh. Like, I really don't want to read about these characters again. But I was pleasantly surprised. I actually really enjoyed the first issue. And there was kind of that little surprise ending, too, um, that was interesting. So It'll be neat to see how they handle that. Yeah, if that, yeah, where they go with that. But, yeah, so I'm, I will continue to read them. And I'm um, looking forward to seeing what they do with it. But Yeah, and Bria, we're definitely going to need to get your take on it since you have a little bit more experience in that comic world (laughs) with Marvel because I don't know a lot of the artists and the writers and everything from Marvel just because I haven't really been paying attention to Marvel comics that much. I'm more of an IDW um, Mm -hmm. title person, so we'll definitely need to have you on more as the comics continue to come out. I think everyone should look forward to the Princess Leia one with Mark Wade writing it. That'll with Mark Wade writing and Terry Dodson doing the art. That'll be awesome. So, um, just so that everybody knows, give us a little um, like brief on who they are. Um, Mark Wade is currently writing Daredevil. He was writing uh, Indestructible Hulk. He's just very. He's a very good writer. Um, who's pretty well respected in Marvel, and he just knows he knows how to write characters, and he knows how to take their characterization and and make the best out of them. Um, I'm mostly happy because he handled one of my favorite Marvel characters really, really well in Hulk. So I ended up. I don't really care about Hulk, but I bought the book throughout because of how he handled Maria Hill. Um, Terry Dodson's art is very solid. He, there's a bunch of. Um, he does a lot of of covers. Um, there's a good run of artwork on uh, X-Men. I think, and if you buy the first issue, you can see preview pages from both Leia and the Vader book. That'll give you a good idea of how it'll look. So, Bria, I actually have a question about how Marvel handles like their their trades. Mm-hmm. Do they collect, typically collect um, like story arcs into um, trade paperbacks? Uh, yes, and well. They try to do story arcs. Sometimes they'll go, they'll start with hardbacks and then go into soft cover. Um, but I think the wait after tends to be about three months, maybe three-ish months. Um, I haven't bought trades in a while, so. 
But yeah. no, they'll they'll try to keep the they will keep the story the story arcs together. Um, even if it ends up being like an eight, if it's an eight issue arc, it'll still go together probably. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how they handle it because I'm so used to the way Dark Horse did their Star Wars comics, and it was very much you know four or five issue arcs, and you could pretty much count on them coming out you know in the trade paperbacks. And I was kind of wondering they haven't really announced any trade paperbacks for any of the current Marvels titles that they announced. So yeah, I was wondering if if we could expect that or not. I don't think we'll see those till the fall. Huh. Yeah, because that'll that'll affect, too, um, how we go about reviewing the issues. We may have to revamp that. Hello, in-show meeting. Um, (laughs) Because what we traditionally do is we wait for the trades to come out, and then we review the comics at that point. So um, we may just have to... We may have to figure out a new thing, Aaron. Change. (laughs) Review change one issue at a time. But, <laughs> change um, is so scary. Speaking of change, we have uh, Marvel actually now is already selling, reselling, I guess, Dark Horse's comics. Um, are they only doing it digitally or have they announced, uh, I guess they've announced some printing of some Dark Horse comics, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how fast, I guess I was kind of, I remember the last day that Dark Horse had the comics and I was on their you know, digital site and I was buying all their deals and everything. Cause I'm like, this is going to be the last time I can get these comics. And then like literally <laughs> like the next day they announced, you know, uh, Marvel was actually selling them in comiXology. And I was like, ugh. I mean, I guess I saved some money, but it would have been nice to wait and get them all in one app. But, um, is it surprising to you, to you guys that Marvel's already selling dark horses titles? No, no, I think they're, it's all about money. I know, but it just seems fast. Like, I kind of knew it would come eventually, but, like, basically immediately they started selling them. I'm not surprised it was immediate for digital. Like, not surprised at all. Um, They've been very good about staying up to date with uh, digital comics and everything. I am surprised that they they announced the publication of of so many hard copies and that they didn't at least change the artwork a little bit trying to make it look different from the dark horse run um that seemed a little odd to me but well they did put that beautiful legends banner there at the bottom so (laughs) true (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that yeah it was kind of surprising it's just it's weird to see you know these comic covers that i'm so used to seeing from dark horse and then see the marvel logo it's like oh that's it just seems almost something about it just seems wrong but. People's collections will be all messed up now if you uh if you didn't finish your your legacy volume in Dark Horse. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we actually have some emails, and you guys have been awesome about sending in emails when we've been asking for them. So as promised, we are reading them on the air. Um, our first one is from David Motters, and he says, "Hi, Aaron and Teresa. You wanted people to email in, so I am." Okay, my question for you guys is who came up with the idea for the double-bladed lightsaber? The reason I ask is because on Star Wars Bookworms number 31, ooh, citations, one of the authors sitting next to you, and it wasn't Tim Zahn or Christy Golden, said he was excited to see his idea for a double-bladed lightsaber come into episode one. However, in Star Wars Insider number 153 on page 44, I see that Chris Gossett is credited with this idea. If that isn't confusing enough, at several Star Wars weekends in Florida over the last three years, I've been sitting in the crowd and every time James Arnold Taylor asked Ray Park about the double-bladed lightsaber... 
Ray Park says he approached George Lucas himself and asked for the double blade so he could handle it more effectively in combat scenes at the end of episode one. Thoughts? I hope this was a good first email and it would be very cool to ride Star Tours with you guys at a Star Wars weekend at some point in the future. David Motters from Ocala, Florida. So, I have no clue who came up <laughs> with the idea. Just, I mean, I've heard the Ray Park story tons of times. And then I heard, I don't remember who it was on our panel, Aaron, that said that it was his idea. Um, so, he's referring to the panel that we were on in, at Dragon Con. Right. And I believe who he's referring to is Kevin J. Anderson. And because the, the old uh, Tales of the Jedi comics is actually the first appearance of a double-bladed lightsaber by the character Exar Kun, or is Exar Kun? I don't know how to say his name right. Do you know Bria? No idea. Sorry. Do you know the character? <laughs> uh, no, I know the character. Okay. I just don't know how to pronounce names. I fail at it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think that was the first appearance of a double-bladed lightsaber. So that would obviously be you know Legends universe non-canon. Um, but I believe that's you know. He probably heard Kevin J. Anderson say that. Now, what he said about um, Chris Gossett being credited with the idea, he was the artist in those comics. So Kevin J. Anderson was the writer. Chris Gossett was the artist. Who actually came up with the idea? I don't know. Probably one of them, two, or maybe they did it together. Um, and then, of course, Ray Park, the whole thing with him that, you know, Darth Maul was obviously the first canon appearance of a double-bladed lightsaber. So... I hope that clears it up a little bit for David. Does it clear it up for you, Teresa? Well, I mean, I guess I would say canon-wise, it's probably Ray Park. Um, Legends-wise, combo of Kevin J. Anderson and Chris Gossett. Right. And I don't know. I guess, did Ray Park actually come up with the idea or more? I I had heard that he had come up with the idea for the extended blade, so it was longer. Like, I mean, not the blade, I'm sorry, the the handle to be longer. Yes. But the actual... I think you're correct. I think there was. I think it was double bladed, um, but I think he did ask for the hilt to be longer, um, so that he could manage it better, and it made more sense as a samurai type weapon for it to be longer. Um, I think that's the correct story. Okay, so that's what we know, David. But when we see Ray Park at Star Wars Weekends next year, because he will be there, we will hear it again. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. we'll know He'll for tell sure. the same stories again. But So our second email is from Lenny. And sorry we got your name wrong last time, because <laughs> we, we did. We didn't know if it was Lenny or Lenny, or if it was yeah. a boy or a girl. So now that's been cleared up. Yep. So he writes, I just thought I'd write in to say that I agree with Aaron. I totally wonder what happened to Rex, Cody, Maul, and Ahsoka. And to be honest, I think the characters like Ahsoka, Rex, Maul, and Cody have a sizable story that if wanted could probably be fleshed out in anything from a long-running comic to a TV series. Not going to happen, but still. That could probably cover up through the Rebellion. I personally think she would go great as a Han Solo-type character, though a bit more professional. I think we're talking about Ahsoka here. I even think a possible side character story for Ahsoka could be chiseled out into the sequel era. Although she is the only one I could see making as far as the sequels, Maul will get picked off during the Empire's height. Ahsoka has a high probability of that as well, depending on where they put her, but Vader could play an odd hand in it all. In quotey fingers. Um, anyway, I just thought I would voice my agreement. Thanks, Lenny. So. Um, Thanks, Lenny. 
So I don't remember what we were talking about. I think I just had said in one of our episodes about how I would like to see some of these characters' stories continue on. Like, if we're not going to see, obviously, we're not going to see Ahsoka's, you know, her fate in animation. It doesn't seem like we're going to, unless I guess she could always come back in Rebels. But I just want to see her story continued. So if that means comics, if that means novels, whatever, I just want to know what happened to her. So that I think that's kind of what he's referring to. But um, what do you think, Bria? Are you um, hoping to see Ahsoka again, or have we? did we already have a fitting end for her? I thought she had a good end, but if she shows up in Rebels like the common theory is, I will not be opposed to that. Common theory? Fulcrum. Yeah. Fulcrum. Full, a lot of people think that she's Fulcrum. Hmm. I could, and there was some artwork on some of the crates and stuff that looked very similar to, um, like a symbol that could be of her head, tail thing. Um, so there's so a theory that 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 Fulcrum is on Mothma, and then there's another theory that Fulcrum is Winter. So, oh man, less likely. <laughs> Although I think Bria would love that. Well, it'd be a little tricky. She'd be. You 15 at the time, so I mean, impressive if that is winter at 15, but so at this time, Ahsoka would be what in her 30s? Oh no, she's got to, she'll be in her 20s in Rebels. How far after, how far after the end of the Clone Wars is Rebels? I thought it was like 15 Fif- years, yeah, it's like 15 years, 15 years. So if we say at the end of Rebels, she's like what at the end of Clone Wars? No, sorry, at the end of Clone Wars, she's. 17 so she would be 32 okay so 32 in her 30s okay sorry i don't know timelines okay thank you fun with math (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i I just think i think it'd be cool if she came to rebels that would be awesome but if they don't bring her into rebels at least give me a novel i mean they're giving us quinlan voss the saj ventress novel give us an ahsoka novel so yeah she's too popular of a character to leave hanging they'll we'll find out more about her eventually so, Aaron, I'll let you take this one, our last email. Our last email from Ben. This is a long email, um, and I actually uh, – this is an email that I found from October, actually. Oh, wow. Sorry, so Ben. So, um, I went back through. I was trying to – like, okay, what emails do we have that we haven't read on the show yet? And I came across this one, and I was like, I don't think we ever read this one. So, he did write us quite a long email. Um, he is actually a listener from Australia. I'm not going to read the entire email, but I'm going to get to his question but he was just talking about how, you know, as a kid, he devoured all the Star Wars novels that he could get. He, he sings the praises of the X-Wing series, uh, things like that. But um, I'll get to his question here. He says, anyway, I have a question for you guys. I guess it's kind, it kind of ties into the panel from Dragon Con about tropes in Star Wars. On Star Wars Bookworms and several other po- Star Wars podcasts, I've heard plenty of discussion about which legends, characters, or storylines people would like to see incorporated or remade in the new canon. What I haven't heard much of is what things do you hope the writers and creatives stay away from? Personally, I hope we don't see anything like the Sun Crusher again. As much as I did enjoy the Jedi Academy books when I was young, that thing was bonkers and literally narrative black hole. (laughs) What do you guys think? I'm going to go ahead and guess that the Endor Holocaust might be on (laughs) Teresa's list. (laughs) Um, hmm, yes. So this is a good question, I think, for all of us. What are some things from the Legends universe that you hope do not get replicated or carried over into the new canon? 
Well, um, I am not. What, is there really an indoor holocaust? Um, I think in some of the non-canon EU, that's kind of how it was explained that the fallout from the Death Star exploding actually pretty much wiped out the Ewok village. No, it did not. No, <laughs> that's terrible. That is so awful. Where is that? <laughs> there was a Tales story that actually has like a uh, comic book art of like Ewoks oh running no, away no, from stop, flames stop, and. <laughs> Stop now. I will find the picture and send it no, to you. No, I, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to see it. Um, Yeah, Indoor Holocaust is out. Um, The other thing that I can think of, I think it's in Crucible. Correct me if I'm wrong. The story with the two alien brothers that remind me of Brain from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or Krang? Yeah, Krang, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Brain thing. Oh, the that, brothers, the creepy brothers that yeah, had like that, a Leia clone. Yes. Oh, yes. Anything like that, yes. Stay, keep no that Waru. out. Keep Walru no out. Yes. No Dark Nest. Mm. Yeah, Killix, uh, all that Can stuff they were sex? doing. No, yeah. done. I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think for me, kind of the the minutia of like the politics and stuff they started to get into with the the legacy era is stuff that I hope they don't do with the new canon. Like, I don't really care about all the intricacies of the inner workings of the government and, you know, paperwork they have to fill out and that kind of stuff. It just seems like there was too much of that going on. So more of the fun adventure and less of the the politics, I think. But that's How that's for I me. I know you would say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm um, no killing off of cute furry things. <laughs> not what i would like to see but yeah so uh that was from ben so thanks ben again and i actually kind of had a follow-up question ben again (laughs) (laughs) i had a follow-up question for that because there's been some conversation on twitter recently about the idea of characters from the legends universe uh getting reused in new canon maybe some characters people would hope to see um, some names that have come up would be someone like Winter or Mare Jade, um, really popular characters that they could carry over into the new canon. But a lot of people are saying, well, if they do bring them into the new canon, it's just going to be a new character. It's not actually Mare Jade. It's just the same name, but it's going to be a completely new, you know, new character with a new history. And I was kind of curious what you guys thought about that. Like, I know everybody kind of has their favorite characters, would you like to see one of your favorite characters from the Legends universe used in the new canon, even if they decided to kind of start from scratch with their backstory? Hmm. Bria? <laughs> I think it depends on how much of the backstory they use or ignore. So, for example, if they decided to make it that Winter is still like Leia's childhood friend growing up but maybe now she's a pilot instead of having like the perfect memory I'd be okay with that um, I actually made an argument that they should bring in Bria Theron but completely wipe out everything to do with her with her romance with Han um, I mean I think I think you just like it's how much of the character you preserve it makes a difference if you just bring in a character with like white hair and say her name's Winter, but she's from like Corellia, then I'm not here for that. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. I mean, I don't have 
enough you I mean everybody knows this I don't have enough experience reading things like in the post return of the Jedi era that I really have any favorite characters that would probably show up because all of my favorite characters are in the old republic time frame so I mean Darth Bane's not going to show up ever Well they've kind of already like, done this to you because <laughs> Darth Bane is your favorite character from the EU right Yeah and he did show up in Clone Wars True. In, in a very different form than you read about him. And so how did, like, was that something where you were kind of like, ah, I kind of wish they just didn't use his name because it really wasn't the same character? N- no, I mean, no. I mean, Drew Karpishan and I talked about this, and we both respect what they did. We respect that they used Mark Hamill. We get that they had a take on it, but the Darth Bane that we know is not that. Um but it, was, it wasn't it was a thing like where we were disappointed about it. I think we were just happy that they used the character at all. Um, because it was a character that would probably never see the light of day. Um, so I think that's kind of where I ended up falling on that. Okay. So you kind of like the shout out to the character, but don't necessarily see it as a true representation of how you view the character. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. for me, like a character for like a good example for me would be Quinlan Voss is a character that I really enjoy reading about in the Legends universe, and they did pull him into the Clone Wars. But the way they represented him in the Clone Wars, although there were some similarities, and he looked pretty much identical to how he did in the comics, his personality was very different. Um, so, but I was still happy to see him, and I, I like the fact that they brought him into Clone Wars. And now, because he was in Clone Wars, now he's getting a you know canon novel. Um, which I'll be very curious to see what they do with the novel because we're going to be able to get more into his head, I think. So it'll it'll be interesting to see if they kind of just only use what was in the Clone Wars or maybe they will dig into the comics a little bit for his backstory. But we'll see. So for Bria, for, um, are you a pretty big Mary Jade fan? I costume as her, so yeah. Okay. So <laughs> that's like, um, duh. Haven't you seen my pictures on Facebook? I, duh. <laughs> Come on. Where well, have I have like been, certain people that I listen to their podcasts. I I like I pin certain characters to them because I know that it's like their favorites. And so, like, so what you're saying is that you don't listen to Bria when she's no. On I do listen to Bria Taj- when she's on Tasha <laughs> no, Station. I'm the winter person. Yeah, I'm you're winter and anything about Alderaan and yes. all that stuff. You know, so I know that about you. But I wasn't sure about the Mary Jade stuff. Um, and that, yeah. So, would you want to see Mara Jade pulled into the new EU um, in any form, or are you kind of hoping they just leave her alone? I think it would be really cool if uh, we, if they decide to go like the Emperor's hands route, even in whether they rename it or otherwise. You see, like you know, young Force sensitive kids in in Rebels who the Emperor is using, and one of them is a redhead named Mara. I'm cool with that. Um, I think that preserves enough of her backstory. And to me, that would be awesome. I don't need to see her go and, you know, you will kill Luke Skywalker and be redeemed and whatever, marry him and everything. I don't need to see that. I think it would just be cool to see the shout out to her in Rebels. And and if her character progresses otherwise from there, awesome. If that's all they use her for, okay. At least she made it into the new canon. Yeah. I agree. I agree too. So <laughs> good to know. <laughs> let's talk about the let's talk about these comics that we made Bria read. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so our spoiler policy is that we typically wait at least a month after a release date to review a book or a comic, or in this case, a lot longer. 
Um, if we're reviewing it, you can expect full spoilers. So the first one we have up is Legacy Volume 4, Empire of One. Its original release date um, for the trade was October 15th, 2014. The writer is Karina Bechko and Gabriel Hardman. Artist is Gabriel Hardman and Brian Albert Thies. And the timeline is 139 years after the Battle of Yavin. And the publisher summary is as follows. When Anya Solo and her companions embark on a covert rescue mission, they have no idea they're headed into a showdown with the Sith that could alter the balance of power in the galaxy. This particular trade collects Star Wars Legacy issues number 16 to number 18 and number zero and a half. So. I like how they, they, only, had three, they, they only had three issues left and they were like, people aren't going to want to buy this if we only have three issues. So let's throw in that zero and a half issue. Which I think was just kind of like a, I don't know, I, I didn't actually get the the full trade because I got them on digital, but um, I think it was probably just like a character bios and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I just want to put in here really quick that um, goodbye Star Wars Legacy, it's been nice. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> that's my official opinion. Wait, that doesn't sound very positive. You know, you already know. Our listeners that listen to this show know that I started out really excited about these, and then progressively over the volumes, I've become more and more like. Mmm. So. Yeah, I kind of agree. The that. quality, the the story started to get a little. I don't know. It just wasn't as exciting as it was. I I was really on board with these at the beginning, but I feel like that maybe wasn't the fault of the writers. Or Dark Horse because they knew they were, they knew this was ending, so I feel like they had to rush their ending. I'm just gonna yeah. counterbalance everything you guys said because I completely love these comics, adore the crap out of them. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, but okay, it's good. So tell us why. <laughs> okay, I mean, I will I will agree that I think the final the final few issues did feel a little bit rushed, um, and I do think it would have been better if they hadn't been so insistent on trying to get the book wrapped up so they could do the October trade and everything and that they they could have done a lot better if they had gotten two more issues for it so I'll agree with you there however the rest of it everything is awesome in, in these books um, I I love Ania I love Salk I love Jao Sam and I love that they brought Marisai fell back for this um, I also thought that what they did with um, Darth Red was it, it was interesting to me because I, I was trying to figure out why the heck the Sith didn't want to or why they wanted to kill him and why he was trying to make this other guy go evil. And then you get his backstory, um, which I really liked the art and the coloring on, by the way. Uh, and then so you get his backstory and then you go, oh, well, this makes sense. Um, maybe the Sith trying to, you know, spend everyone on killing him. Not so smart by the Sith. But I thought it made for a really, really cool battle scene. And anytime you get to see empresses or princesses out there kicking butt right alongside their their people, I'm happy. Well, I'll agree with you on the art and all that stuff for his backstory. And I really did like how they kind of tied that up and that he really just wanted to get rid of all the Sith and that probably deep down he hated what became of himself. Um... There's one thing I didn't really understand when Zhao Assam kept saying, you know, now I've he created another Sith in the process, and 
you know, further on, like towards the end, he's saying stuff about how he's a different person now or whatever. I got lost at that point. Can somebody explain what happened? Like, is he Sithy now or is he like not as Jedi Knight now or what is the deal? I think his fear was that when he had the final confrontation at the end of the comic um, and he basically cut off Darth Red's hands and he had the chance to do the finishing blow that he knew at that point that it, it was a turning point for him. If he decided to kill him, much like Anakin Skywalker did to, you know, Dooku, he, it was kind of no turning back at that point. You know, he would have become what he was, you know, fearing. He didn't want to become a Sith himself. So by choosing to not kill Darth Red and letting Anya do it, <laughs> um, he I don't think he was dark side at the end. I think he, t- he decided to stay in the light. That's how I interpreted it. And then when they show him at the end, the very last panel of the the group, you see him in like somewhat kind of like a white version of the of the uh, Imperial Knight armor, um, still hanging with with the with the crew. So yeah, I don't think he I don't think he went dark. Yeah, I think you got it exactly right. Uh, to me, it just seemed more like he he had been through so much and seen so much that staying with the Imperial Knights didn't feel quite right anymore. So he went with another option. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I just, sometimes in these things I get lost. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know why. Bria, I do agree with you. I, I love these characters and I am sad that this, this, uh, series is ending. I was hoping that maybe in some way that this would get picked up by Marvel um, and continue on with these characters because I love this this crew. My my favorite character in the comics is actually um, Ag. I think he's a like awesome droid. Um, big fan of that character. Um, yeah, and Anya Solo is just you know a great character too. So yeah, I just felt like this comic in particular just felt really rushed. And the battle scene with the Sith and all of that was cool visually, but it was just like wow, that really escalated quickly. You know, like they went from yeah. just a, a guy breaking out of prison to a full-on like Sith versus Imperial Knight war, um, you know, in just a matter of pages. So, I mean, I'll agree. Yeah, it did feel a little rushed. And I think that was just Dark Horse, unfortunately, saying, well, here's how it has to be. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you talked about this before, but I really love that they managed to find an artist to who matched Hardman's style so well. Um, which I thought that was one of the strengths of the book as a whole, and I but I do really love that they let Hardman, um, they let them have a super an oversized issue so Hardman can draw the last couple pages with the epilogue. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did notice. I wasn't sure um, at what point the art changed, but I did notice some some differences from what it typically looked like. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really even paying attention. I hadn't realized that uh, someone other than Hardman had done them. Yeah, I, they switched off every arc. Okay, so did we? So we never got an explanation as to um, Anya's relation to the Solo family. We just know she's a Solo, but we really don't know what the the specific relation is, right? And I am so bitter about that. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like no, like literally last week before before you guys talked to me about this, I was sitting at my my computer and I was like, oh, legacy. I missed this book. Why don't we have this anymore? And I thought. We never got our explanation. And I, I almost tweeted Karina and Gabriel to ask them what the deal was, but I refrained. <laughs> because they kept, well, they kept saying, you, you have to wait us? and see. 
you have they're like we have to wait and see and I was like okay and I waited patiently and then all we got was well I mean I think she's a distant cousin from Marisaya and I was like this is not okay yeah, at yeah. this point, you would think, like, they knew that they're, they're losing the license. They could have done anything they wanted. Uh, well, maybe it, they What could. was holding them back? Maybe there's something going on with Marvel that we are not aware of, but there's going to be a story that includes this, and maybe they were told, you can't reveal this. Hmm. I don't think so. Oh, um, it was just, it was hope. That was, <laughs> that was, wishful yeah. thinking. No. Wishful thinking. The editor of Marvel said he has. They have no intentions to do anything in the legacy era, anytime soon slash ever. Basically. Well, that sucks. Well, yeah. there goes that. <laughs> I am still convinced that she is a wayward Haven princess. <laughs> so, did you like the ending? Did you guys like the ending as far as um, you know? Assam did not kill Darth Red, but then Anya had no problem shooting him and, and killing him. Was that? Yep. Did that fit her character? Did you guys like that ending? I think it fit her character just fine. She's like, fine, you're not going to do it. I'll do it. Boom. There. Problem solved. Move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ladies get stuff done. <laughs> and you just get it done. Take charge. Someone had to. <laughs> Seriously, because he wasn't going to do it. He was. See, that's the one problem I've always had with with Jedi is they're so you know conflicted over what they can do that's right and wrong, you know, and like how it falls into their, you know, their religion, if you will, quoting fingers, um, you know, and whether it's it's the Jedi way. Whereas if you're just a normal blaster wielding person and you're like, well, that's a problem. He's clearly sitting there. He needs to be eliminated. Let's just do it. And get it over with deal with it later (laughs) yeah true the jedi have a bit more of a responsibility i think because of the power that they wield so they can't just be knocking people off cliffs haphazardly (laughs) (laughs) i did like the epilogue too though and i didn't even notice it until i was rereading one of the the last issue at work today that that's totally kate and company Oh, yeah. That they're talking to. I completely missed that the first time I was reading the issue, and I don't know how I missed that, but I felt really dumb once I noticed it. It's weird to see Cade drawn in that style, because mm. you're just so used to seeing the the other version of him that I was like, yeah. yeah, at first you don't really catch it, but then you're like, oh, wait, that's that's Cade Skywalker right there. So it was a cool little tie-in at the end. But, yeah. I mean, overall, like I said, this comic felt a little rushed to me, but I did really enjoy the Legacy comics uh, starring Anya Solo, and I am very sad that they're ending. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. I'll say, as just to wrap up, I always really liked the covers of all the books. I thought they were really pretty, and I liked them. Um, I like Anya Solo as a character. I think she's cool. Am I sad? No. But, you know... I'm ready for new things. You just want another Ewoks trade paperback. You just <laughs> hush, okay? There's so much room for more Ewok stories, you have no idea. Favorite comic ever. Well, Bria, final thoughts. Um, I just really, really loved Legacy. I didn't know how much I was going to love it when I first started reading it, and I think that more people should go and pick up the trades and enjoy it. Get them Especially because the art is good. All right. So our next 
um, comic issue is Star Wars Volume 4, A Shattered Hope. Its release date was October 15th of 2014, um, just like the one we just talked about. The writer is Brian Wood and the, uh, oh, and also Zach Whedon. And then the artist, they all have crazy names. Um, they really do. <laughs> Facundo Percio, Carlos Dionda, and David, I'm going to just pretend that's David, David Fabry. <laughs> Um, the timeline is two months after the Battle of Yavin, and the publisher's summary is, After a defeat by the rebels, Darth Vader is on a mission to instill fear and discipline in the Imperial ranks with his own elite stormtroopers. Meanwhile, having invaded Vader once again, Han Solo, Chewbacca, Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker strike another blow for freedom. Co- this um, particular trade collected Star Wars number 13 and number 14, and then it skips some and collects number 19 and number 20. And then it also includes Star Wars Free Comic Book Day from 2012. Sort of a really weird collection of comics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit. They had to fill it out. Just like the other one. It's like, okay, we don't have enough content here. What can we find? Oh, we have this comic from 2012 that's never been put into a, a trade before. So it's kind of a weird fit for this. But... Mm-hmm. um. And so that basically, because it's broken up the way it is, we get three very distinct, separate stories all within this one uh, volume. Yeah. Um, so I vote we first talk about Free Comic Book Day. Free you. Comic Book Day. Well, I mean that it's literally like a five five page comic, so there's not really much to talk about. And all it is is Han and Chewie, and Chewie getting irritated with Han, and then leaving him like tied up at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. They draw Chewie so cute. He is. He passes the cute and fluffy test. Yeah, it was a it was a fun little story. I mean, I I don't think we've ever gotten a Zach Whedon Star Wars comic before. Nope, I don't think so. I'm guessing there's a relation to Joss. I was about to say it's there? his brother. Okay. Okay. And younger he's... or older? I think younger. It seems younger due to the cute and fluffiness of Chewie, but so. <laughs> So Zach Whedon is kind of famous in his own right. Like he's he's pretty involved in other other stuff too, right? Yeah, he does the um, I think the Serenity comics that came out last year, I believe. Okay. Yeah, they were also published by Dark Horse. Does he do yeah. any stuff with TV and stuff? Like, um, he was part of Doctor Horrible's sing along blog, but it's their other brother Jed and Jed's wife Marissa who do more of the TV stuff. They're the ones oh, who okay. produce Agents of Shield. Like all I don't think, yeah. All those Whedons doing stuff. Yeah, they're they like are the creative like geniuses. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I saw the name Whedon and I was like, oh, there must be a connection there. But um, I guess this is more the comic, the comics writing Whedon, not the epic movie making Whedon. Although Joss did write comics too. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, did a run on Astonishing X Men, did an arc of um, Runaways, and I think he wrote some of the Buffy comic. I think you're right about that. I think I recall that. So hmm. it was a fun little story. I mean, not really much happened. I, it was kind of funny how basically Han is, you know, not necessarily appreciating Chewie, and and then uh, when he needs Chewie to kind of untie him at the end, Chewie's like, uh, you can stay there, you know, and goes and flies the Falcon by himself. I thought it was, it was a funny little story, really not much to it. The aliens were kind of weird looking. Um, but did you guys have anything that stuck out to you that you wanted to talk about? Or? No, Bri already no. said it. Chewie is cute and fluffy. All right, that's, that's all we need to know. <laughs> 
so I guess the first story to talk about would be the Darth Vader story um, with his elite stormtroopers. Um, I actually quite surprisingly like this one. I'm not a super huge Darth Vader story person, but I really liked it. And I think it's because I liked the main girl character, although I couldn't stand her name um, because it was seemed like it should just be Insignia. <laughs> that what was, was her, name? her name? Her name is like something similar to that. That's Some... her rank. Oh. What, what was her name though? But <laughs> Ensign. Hold on, I have the Ensign digital. something. But to me, I was like, is that her name? Why is her name Insignia? <laughs> I mean, I know it's not the word, you know, but like that's what it looked like to me. Wait. Hold on, I'm finding it. <laughs> My name is <laughs> Ensign Nanda. See, that's what she says her name is. So you're saying, yeah, well, her rank is Ensign. What so does that mean? It's a, it's just a rank. <laughs> it's a very low rank. Yeah, it's I low. I apparently don't understand ranks of, Im- of she... Imperials. <laughs> <laughs> but she got a new rank later on because of helping Vader, but yeah. Okay, it's... so she changed from being Ensign something to being, like, Lieutenant Commander something. Lieutenant Commander. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so her okay. name was Nanda, which is a, okay. it's a pretty Star Wars sounding name. Well, but, okay, um... fine, but... <laughs> Did you see the confusion? <laughs> We're spending way too much time talking about this girl's name. So what did you guys think about Nanda? Did, did you you said you liked her, right, Teresa? Yeah, I do. I actually liked her. I liked the way the story was told sort of in the little yellow squares, almost like she was writing a journal, you know? Um, I thought that was cool, and it helped the flow of the story, and I really liked that. Um, although there was quite a bit of really kind of scary violence that I caught myself going, ooh, like, he just crushed his head, you know, or whatever. I was like, wow, that's a little intense. Yeah, it it was an interesting uh, short little story, kind of, you know, seeing a perspective of somebody that has to work directly with Vader and, you know, is kind of intimidated by him. I I liked it. The character, she was an interesting character to follow, um, seeing the psychological effects that it left on her kind of everything that she went through with him. Um, yeah, I liked her. And it was good to see, you know, female character, you know, kind of take center stage. And, um, you know, it wasn't kind of your typical, what you expect a lot of times from these comics. So what do you think, Bria? I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, I've read a lot of the Darth Vader stories that Dark Horse has put out, and none of them seem to really hold my attention very long. Um, I think the fact this was only two issues helped it a lot. And like you guys both said, having her telling the story definitely helped. Uh, she deserves a medal for surviving. Seriously. Um, that's just impressive that she didn't get dead. Um, I thought it was, it was it was interesting. And I don't know if you... Did you guys talk about Rebel Heist yet or no? That's our next episode. Okay. I was going to say how they told the story reminded me of that. But that won't help here will it (laughs) (laughs) um she she almost didn't make it through the story vader didn't seem to to care that she was still on the planet when he uh when he raised that house but um yeah she did somehow survive i guess she said she had to go through like three months of recovery after living through that blast so i don't think he was necessarily wanting her to survive but she did nonetheless i'm intrigued to know how she was picked yeah, it seemed I'm, like she just sort of curious. showed up. True. 
you know, I mean, I I agree with you. I want to know a little bit more about her specifically. Um, can I also just point out? I'm really glad that they not only made her a, or made the character a female, but that they also made her a person of color because yes. I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't tend to notice that kind of stuff, but I did in this one. So that was the first thing I noticed about her, and I think it'd be fun if she made her way into the new canon. Her and Ray Sloan can work together. Maybe that's who Lupita Nyong'o's playing. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they could do a, they could do like an insider short story. That could be a, a good starting point to get her into canon. That'd be cool. But, are things that are in the insider, are those considered canon? Yes, the okay. uh, insider short stories are. Alrighty then. Um, I didn't know. You kind of mentioned the violence, and I thought the, the, the scene where you have all the Imperials sitting around the table... And Vader literally crushes the guy's face into the surface of the oh, table. Oh, yeah. And it's, like, got a pool of blood. And then oh. there's other, like, that wasn't enough to scare the other ones to just keep their mouths shut. That you have another guy stands up and defiantly, you know, points his finger at him. And then the, you know, the guy across the table from him decides to shoot him in the face and then shoot himself in the mouth. And I was I like, know. what is going on with these people? <laughs> Suicide. The stress suicide. that Vader causes. <laughs> Darth Vader causes people to commit suicide. Uh, yeah. That was messed up, but I was kind of like, when it first happened, I was like, okay, so did that guy turn the gun on himself because Vader like did that with the Force? But no, it seems like it was kind of his own, you know, he decided to shoot the other guy in the face and then just take his yeah, own life. I mean, he's like, don't talk, don't talk back to Darth Vader. I'm so sorry that we all suck. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> I had to stare at that page for a good like three minutes before I could figure out what the heck had actually just happened. Yeah, so a little yeah. intense. But Not I like I like the story. It was another short. I kind of liked how this this uh, volume worked because you have the really short story with Han and Chewie, then you have another short story. So it wasn't like a long drawn out. Everything was really concise. So I at least I like enjoyed that part when of it. Like that, they're yeah. more fun that way. <laughs> So That's probably why I like my little pony stories. Can we <laughs> Can we move on to the uh the final part of this? Sure. We get the the last two literally the last two issues of Brian Wood's Star Wars. Um my primary comic is that our comic comment is that Han Solo looks weird. Yes. Like he looks like he has gone through some eating disorders. <laughs> Um, and then he didn't recover very well. Yeah, no one in that comic looks right. No, they don't. They I've thought that about that. almost every issue of of Dark Horse's Star Wars run with Brian Wood. The characters just don't look right. No, and a lot of times they don't act right. They don't act right. Mm-hmm. Like, Sorry, I I really disliked Brian Wood's run. I gave up after issue four or five. So yeah, I don't really like him either, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think across the board, I think we can all agree that wasn't the best, the best run of comics. Um, you know, I made it all the way through them, mostly because I had to review them for this show. But <laughs> <laughs> they had moments that I enjoyed, but overall, yeah, it just didn't seem like they got the characters right. Um, even even though the writer was the same, it seemed like the voice of the characters would change. Like we had 
in the last volume, the the whole Leia going off and getting married so they can get a new base and that whole thing. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, didn't we do this already? <laughs> oh, I know. We <laughs> listen to our last review. <laughs> I had like Teresa had to stop me from <laughs> oh, She's like, "Okay, I think we know you hate it." <laughs> did, did they at least include some fun stuff like you know, solo with a man, solo, maybe? Uh, not no. really. He kind of just stood off to the side most of the issues. Um, Wedge made an appearance, but him and Luke oh. were, like, fighting the whole time. So, what? Yeah, it wasn't right. But This is why I didn't continue reading the comics. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but in the last, so in that storyline, you have Luke, and he's kind of like a punk. You know, he's he's always upset. He gets kicked out of the, you know, the squadron because he's breaking all the rules and it's like, okay, that's not Luke Skywalker. He's not like that. And then in this issue, you have Luke being almost like a little too nice. And he's just, you know, following Leia around. Like, are you he's okay? Like hitting on her. Giving her he's hugs and stuff. Her, <laughs> he felt like a puppy. Yeah, like, and it's all written by Brian Wood. So I could get that if, like, in the last issue he was one way, in this issue he's a different way. If it's, you know, if they changed writers midstream, but. It's like Brian Wood couldn't even get the voice of the characters consistent across issues. Brian Wood watched a different version of Star Wars than the rest of us. Apparently. So. So weird. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the uh, other female character they introduced. Uh, Her name was like Siren. Um, When I first read it, I read Siren, and then I realized that's wrong. Um, (laughs) You got a name wrong. Wow. (laughs) I get named. Never happens. I, I don't <laughs> understand things. Um, so I didn't really like her that much. Um, I did like the appearance of IG-88, but that's about it. Yeah. I didn't like how they... It felt like just giant walls of text. And when you yes. have that in a comic, it's never good. So no. I think I just zoned out for ev- for basically all of her pages. Um I didn't really care for the story, which may be why I was so surprised I liked... Or no, that would explain why I liked the Darth Vader one, because they didn't use Han, Luke, or Leia, so he couldn't really mess any of them up. Um, <laughs> I mean, just it all it all just felt off to me. It felt, okay, great. And then he seemed to go back and forth as to, like, one minute... He, like, Leia made it out to seem like, oh, this girl was, like, a really good friend... And then it went to, oh, no, like, we're not actually that good friends. We just play together as kids. But yet they had a language as kids together that she somehow magically remembers. It just, I, meh. I'm pretty sure if I made up a language with my friends as a kid, which I'm pretty sure that I did, I would remember that. And they wouldn't just be like, oh, they were just my my friend as a kid. Like, I may not be close with them anymore, but I would at least acknowledge the fact that I was really close with them at one point in time. Yeah. You know, and she doesn't really do that. She's kind of, like you said, she bounces around. Um, But yet she's so concerned because she's been undercover for so long, but blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Leia doesn't do that. Leia doesn't sit there and, like, whimper and whine, you know? Yeah. And, like, be all, like, concerned and stuff. She's just, like, go-getter, and she just does things and gets it done, and it's just however it is, you know? So, so Bria, as a cosplayer, though, (laughs) did you like the costume of the character, at least at the beginning, when she's kind of jumping around? She's got the cool boots and the headgear and the backpack. 
Um, did, did the you, Leia head on or the the other? The other girl that they kind of the first few pages of the, of oh. the comic. I zoned out. Like, don't remember? I was, I was no, I literally don't even remember what it looked like. So I, I kind of thought about it because I was like, oh, I bet Bree is at least appreciating her costume here, but I guess not. Apparently not. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing I would think for a cosplayer. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bria, but mm-hmm. you either like something or you don't, and you recognize what you like right on impact. Like, if it's going to be something that sticks out for you as something you're going to want to cosplay, you're going to mm-hmm. notice it from, like, the get-go. Yeah. Otherwise, why would you waste all the time and the money and the energy to do it? Okay, I'm looking at it now. Meh. It's nothing <laughs> exciting. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was a cool outfit. <laughs> It just, uh, nah. It's got that, like, um, that Loth hat. Like, all the people on Lothal wear that kind of hat, you know, with the their hair sticking out the top. I'll tell you what, you go make it, and then we'll, then we can chat. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, you cosplay. You want me to cross-play as it? <laughs> yeah, I want you to cross-play. Yes. Cross-play as a very unknown character from a comic that most people didn't like. Okay. Indeed. <laughs> See you at Dragon Con. Awesome. I'm holding you to that. <laughs> um, what else happened in this comic? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Um, they went to Alderaan, or what was left of Alderaan, and oh, I got that's sad. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, right. I was wondering Luke about that. The <laughs> there was some Alderaan stuff going on in here, so did that like at least get your attention, or were you yes, already I, turned off enough from the other I stuff? Woke up, I woke up enough for that. Um had a few shrieks of Tarkin you're the worst how dare you blow up this beautiful planet um although it did make me think think back to when we were reading the Vader issues because she mentioned having friends on the Death Star and everything and I was like well there were even more people on Alderaan but y'all didn't have problem blowing that up so I mean I think seeing the asteroid field or the rubble whatever you want to call it that's left of Alderaan is always a really a really striking visual image to see. Mm-hmm. And that poor droid got shot. Pretty much R4. any droid. R4. Why are we just, I mean, like, seriously, we can't come up with a different number, letter? I wonder U. if it was intentional, because it seems like almost every droid that's ever had the name R4 always ends up getting killed or blowing up. So. Oh, maybe. But we do get to see Luke use the Force, and everybody's all surprised. Like, it's not a surprise to the reader, folks. <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't it just know. seemed like, I guess they, you know, this is the final two issues of, you know, their Star Wars run. And it just, it didn't seem like a fitting ending. It just was kind of a, a little story about a character we had never heard of before. And there's obviously going to be no follow-up to it. So it was just kind of yeah. like, eh, fizzled out. It just seemed weird that he wouldn't even try to write... I mean, they all had warning. Yeah. I, I'm just surprised that that was... He phoned started, it in at this point, yeah. I think. Which is a shame because, well, no, never mind. I didn't like how he wrote Leia anyways. <laughs> oh, well. Well, I think Marvel's going to do better with the Star Wars um, run than, than Dark Horse did at the end. It's too bad, too, because, I mean, Dark Horse had the license for a long time, and they did re- some really good comics, but... um you know, some of their some of the ones they ended with seem to not definitely not be their best. So yeah, it's too bad. Oh well, we're almost we'll be saying goodbye to Dark Horse on our next episode. So that's true. 
Yeah, so on our next episode, we'll be reviewing the comic volume Rebel Heist, and this is going to be the last Dark Horse comic ever reviewed on Star Wars Bookworms. Um, kind of a, It'll be a sad day. But we're also doing the junior novel, Star Wars Rebels, Servants of the Empire, Edge of the Galaxy. So kind of excited to do that. Longest title ever. I know. It's like Star Wars Rebels, <laughs> colon. Similar Servants of the Empire, colon. Edge of the Galaxy. And that's the um, one with uh, Zare Leonis, I think. Uh, I'm the, excited. The character from the show. So. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So start reading these now so you can listen to our next episode. So, Bria, where can people find you on the interwebs? Um, you can find me at Tashi Station, where I write and get really angry about feminist and diversity things all the time. Or you can find me on Twitter at Chaos Bria. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on the episode. It was uh, we've we've been trying to get you on. And it was <laughs> good having you on. Hopefully, you can. Uh, we'll we'll make sure we we find some better comics for you to come on and review next time. Hey, you had me talking about Legacy. I'm always happy to talk about those books. That's true. And once we get to the maybe the Leia Marvel comics, maybe we could have you back on. I am so down for that. All right. All right. That sounds good. So you can find us on Twitter. We're at SWBookworms. You can also email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And if you email us, you will hear your email on the show. So everybody write to us on email. Or you can comment and everything on Facebook. Just go to um, facebook.com slash Star Wars. And you can leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't done that yet. If you enjoy our show, head on over there. Leave us a nice five-star review. You can find Teresa on Twitter and Instagram at IceColdPenguin. And you can find Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AVGoings. So, as always, keep on reading. Don't go to my Instagram. It's boring. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of funny sometimes. There's no Star Wars stuff. So if you want to see pictures. (laughs) They're funny sometimes.